The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast. I am Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero, and I am joined by my lovely, beautiful wife and co-host, Johanna, Latina Locked and Loaded. How are you doing this evening, my love? Wonderful. Happy Sunday, everybody. Yes. Uh, thanks for coming by, everybody. We uh, decided not to do, well, we didn't have a guest this week, so we're just having the two of us tonight. We did a Saturday night Splatoon stream yesterday. Uh, saw quite a few of you in there, uh, of our gaming fans in there, like CG, JC9, and, uh, and others. gaming friends. And Nick. So thanks for watching that last night, and for everybody that watched on the replay. We really appreciate that. But we're back tonight for our regularly scheduled episode. Now, uh, I want to start the show because you might see that um, I'm wearing a certain shirt, and, yeah. we've got, and we've got a flag in the background. So... Uh, recently, well, just the other day, uh, it became official that we're now part of the Brownells Bureau of Propaganda. So I was on a um, a podcast on Hank Strange's podcast a few weeks ago with Roy Hill from Brownells. And after the show, he was like, hey, we'd like to have you guys on the Bureau of Propaganda. So we've always uh, we've always praised Brownells here and uh, the advocacy that they do. Uh, the fact that they put their money where their mouth is, unlike a lot of other certain big companies in the, in the gun industry. So we're really happy to be a part of what they have to offer. And uh, yeah, we're proud to uh, proud to get involved with that. So uh, Joe was pretty excited about it. We got uh, some cool swag over there. We've got yeah. these cool hats too. You want to show that off? So yeah. So uh, we got some hats, patches, we got the flags and... Uh, it's cool stuff. So we're pretty excited about that and what uh, that will bring in the future. So you guys know what to do. Check out brownells.com. Get all your parts there and let them know how you feel about that and that you're happy about uh, what they're doing to help the Second Amendment community. Look, guys, it's basically it all boils down to freedom and protecting the Second Amendment and supporting the companies that actually do care and do work towards it. So we've been longtime fans of Brownells and we're really happy to finally be uh, working in conjunction and from, you know, working together towards protecting that second amendment and no matter what it takes. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to have a uh, Roy on at some point to talk about really like intense. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to me. No, <laughs> that was good. That was good. I mean, no, it's, it's serious business what we do here and we take it seriously and we're happy to work with a partner like Brownells that takes it just as much, uh, just as seriously. And that uh, does a lot for the community. So Hopefully you'll see a lot more of that. Well, we've obviously we got the flag uh, back there, so you'll see that. And uh, and yeah, so hoping to have Roy uh, from Brownells on to talk a little bit about the company, his history with them, and the Bureau of Propaganda itself. So check it out. Spread the word of the Second Amendment, and be sure to get your quality parts from brownells.com. All right. So... We uh, wow, we've been doing a lot of Saturday shows lately, and uh, it's been it's a little bit weird to get back onto a Sunday. 
So last Sunday, we had Justin Nazroff of Phoenix Ammunition on. If you guys didn't check it out, go ahead uh, back there and look at 80, uh, episode 85. Justin was a great guest. We had him on for nearly three hours. So it seems like you really know uh, who we're close to and who's easy to have a conversation with uh, when you hit three hours without any effort. So we're hoping to see Justin when he comes down next month uh, down here to Miami for the Guns in Bitcoin conference. So always good to spend time with our friends in the Second Amendment community, especially when the last two years were uh, pretty tough to do so. So looking forward to that. But let's get started with some of the 2A news uh, tonight. We're going to discuss, as usual, we start with our, uh, for any of our new viewers out there, we've been getting a couple of new ones every week. We do a Second Amendment and pop culture and gaming podcast. So we lean heavily into the Second Amendment and freedom uh, causes, but politics is downstream of culture. So we've noticed that pretty much everything is being affected and poisoned by the political atmosphere, uh, political climate that we have today and the forces that would try to separate us. So we've always felt that the First Amendment and Second Amendment are the two most important ones to protect, and they essentially give us the power that we have as citizens here. And that bleeds into everything from entertainment to our politics and even our gaming. So without further ado, let's get started. So lately, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about constitutional carry, and it's been great news for the most part. We got three uh, three states recently, or two states recently, that uh, jumped on the con constitutional carry bandwagon in Alabama and Ohio, and Indiana, by all accounts, is coming up next. So, but the biggest elephant in the room has been our own home state of Florida. So, Florida, as we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, Governor DeSantis said that he would sign any constitutional carry bill that came to his desk. The Florida House of uh, the Florida Legislature did not hold up their end of the bargain, and they did not pass constitutional carry. So, what really is causing this? It comes down to a lot, a few of the factors that we talked about in the past, which is the politicians in Florida dragging their feet. Joe, can you read this article while I bring it up and go through that? This Absolutely. is from Amalan. Amalan, and let me see who this is from. Charlie Cook. Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> Charlie uh, Cook wrote an article, What Happened to Passing Constitutional Carry in Florida? Um, simple answer is that Florida's politicians dropped the ball for the third year in a row. Ouch. And again, I have to interpose and say, why is it that we have this nickname of the gunshine state? I have no idea. Because once again, we have passed, uh, failed to pass constitutional carry. Um, and I'm going to continue with the article. Even after Governor Ron DeSantis publicly stated he would sign a constitutional carry bill if it into law if it was made, uh, if it made it onto his desk. And we definitely talked about that on the show. He came out, and now that is controversial as well because he did come out with only a few days left in session, in legislature session, and said that. And, you know, I've had conversations with people who say, was that for real, legit? Um, or was that just a show? And I'm, I'm putting in my own two cents here and in the middle of reading this article. Um, because maybe he knew, and that's just my, I don't know. I, I'm, this is my uh, speculation of what I have discussed with people. Did he know? Uh, was he being serious? Or did he basically know it wasn't going to pass and it was just to make him look good? Because let's be honest, DeSantis is probably going to be running for bigger offices in the future. 
Um, and the one thing that DeSantis has not been really strong on in terms of what conservative conservative values are mm-hmm. has been guns. So was this a, just a show of power to say, hey, I do stand for the Second Amendment, guys. It's not my fault I haven't done anything. I've got to work with the legislator, legislature. Um, or was it legit and he really wanted to be like, no, seriously, dudes, we have time's ticking. Let's go. So we will never know. So to continue with the article, it says, who is to blame? Turns out it is both parties, Democrats. Well, we know where they stand on gun rights. And again, to interject, for those out there that may not lean Republican, you know that we are not Republicans. We are politically homeless, leaning towards just freedom in general. Yep. And the Second Amendment should not be a partisan issue. It should not be. It is part of our bill of rights it is said and done it's simply the interpretation of that amendment and to me in my two cents it there is very little room for interpretation it literally says shall not be infringed in there but somehow the democrats found it to very easily to be interpreted however they want to and that the thing that bothers me the most is when they actually say things like and we're not in stepping on the second amendment because joe biden has said that a lot recently and mm-hmm. that actually just like add salt to the wound mofo like yeah. can you not say that like at least just admit that you're against it instead of saying but we're not infringing i'm sorry i'm going old. you shouldn't make me read these things because i i can't help myself <laughs> what did you do oh dog i didn't hear that but uh He's a, lo- a lion dog face pony soldier mm-hmm. is what you pushed. I don't know if it actually made it out to the chat, into the, into the stream. But anyway, going back to Charlie Cook's uh, articles, who is to blame? Turns out it's both parties, Democrats, and I just explained why. Um, well, we all know where they stand. But, but most, most of the, the blame this year belongs to Team GOP. And I agree with him because y'all know how I feel about how the established Republicans of Florida have been when it comes to the Second Amendment. And to me, it's the real reason is because politicians don't actually want you to have freedom because they want to be in power. They don't want you to have any power. And to them, a gun does represent some power. So that's, again, my throwing my two cents in there. Going back to Charlie's article, not now when 22 states are now on board with constitutional carry, and I have thrown in <laughs> an applause. Which one's the applause button? Uh, blue. Hell yeah, for those 22 states that are on board with constitutional uh, carry, you reaffirm what we are doing here and what we believe in. And I am so proud of those states and those uh, politicians. I know I shit on politicians all the time, but it's it's states like that that make me realize there are some good ones out there. There are people who care about this country and who do care about upholding the Constitution and freedoms in this amazing country. Continuing on with Charlie's article, to his credit, Republican Anthony Sabatini of Florida's 32 district tried his best to get his this passed, and he did. Uh, I follow Sabatini. I would definitely, he's the one who first stepped up to the plate and said, let's do this. He was the one advocating for it. He was the one making fun of the strawberry shortcake getting passed instead of people actually focusing on what's important. Mm-hmm. So shout out to him. I know he's running for Congress. I'm very happy for him, but I almost all feel that Um, I feel like the state level is where it's at, where things are the most important. Things really happen. So it's going to be a loss for Florida on the state level um, to have someone so strong for the 2A stepping up to the federal level. 
but I wish him amazing luck and, you know, it, with his career and, you know, wherever it may take him. But just being real with how I feel about that, I think the state level is where it's at. So going on with Charlie's article, uh, Sabatini really tried hard. He introduced constitutional carry bill again this year for the third time. So it looks like he was the one who did it in prior years as well. You would think that after trying to get constitutional carry for Florida's residents two years in a row, Sabatini's bill would surely be a slam dunk the third time around, especially in a legislature with a Republican majority. <laughs> but obviously we know that that didn't pass. That didn't work out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much Charlie's article. Um, what? Where are we now, Rolando? Well, we had a GOA. Luis Valdez of GOA did send out a blast for all of us to rally and uh, try to contact the governor's office and to try to get DeSantis to do an emergency or a special session of the legislature. I honestly don't think that that's going to happen. Obviously, we should try, let the governor know how we feel. So there is hope, according Mm -hmm. to GOA, that there is a means of still having this pass in the in 2022 mm-hmm. it's unlikely um to happen to call a special session yeah but it could technically happen if it had enough support absolutely now we know uh, there's gonna it really just comes down to the politicians in florida whether this gets passed or not because as we saw with the parental rights and education act you know that the left and the media called the don't say gay bill disney tried to put its uh its thumb on the scale there tried to influence that it's definitely going to have some backlash because really all I have to say to anybody, and this is on a slight tangent here, but I know in the past we've talked about that we think that the amusement park industry could be a barrier to uh, to a lot of these gun legislation, uh, pro-gun legislation in this state. But we saw that DeSantis stood up against uh, Disney and Bob Chapek, their CEO, when he called and you know uh, gave his basically token resistance to the bill. And DeSantis ultimately told him to pack sand that a company that supports the practices that they do in other countries like China really has no leg to stand on when it comes to essentially wanting to groom children when they're in, you know, uh, up to eighth grade, which is pretty absurd. So you see where the companies stand and you know that they're, the politicians are capable of standing up to these large corporations. So it really comes down to their own will and their own desire to pass constitutional carry. So, I, I really, I, I can't emphasize it more. We have to contact, if you're in Florida, I know that some of our viewers are, and even from South Florida here, contact the governor's office, let them know how you feel. Even if it doesn't make a difference this time around, we will start building that momentum for the next session, and hopefully next time around we can get constitutional carry, and who knows, maybe DeSantis will heed our call and do something about it, because it really is kind of the final feather in his cap that he could have for his um, uh, his legacy as governor of Florida as he runs for potential either presidential, um, uh, whether he has presidential aspirations or just wants to run for re-election in Florida. Now, unfortunately, because of kind of the split that we've seen with the two parties and how far apart they are when, you know, using the previous bill as an example, the Parental Rights and Education Act, just how stark both parties were, it really comes down to that the, the Democrat Party in many cases has gone so far off the deep end and advocates things that are so beyond the pale and really abnormal when it comes to taking away our rights, interfering with how we raise our children, 
and trying to get us involved in overseas conflicts. Ironically enough, you know, that's kind of the neocons typical thing, but the Democrats have jumped on that bag, uh, bandwagon as of late with Ukraine. We're, we're, see, we're seeing that there's just such a huge contrast that the Republicans can maintain the status quo when it comes to Florida gun rights and basically go up to the voters of Florida and say, well, you know what they're going to do. They're freaking crazy over there in the Democrat Party. So are you not? Are you just going to refuse to vote for us because we don't pass this when we've passed all these other uh, bills that essentially protect your rights? And that's where you're going to run into a lot of resistance. There may be some of us that are, you know, lean more towards the freedom and libertarian side that may be capable of doing that. But I guarantee that especially if, as states become more purple, Florida has been becoming a little bit more red over the last couple of election cycles. You know, it's going to be a little bit more dangerous when we see that if elections are close, trying to hold politicians to that point. And a lot of people won't take that risk. So ultimately, uh, a third party may help in this situation because if the Republicans do feel a threat to their power from a more freedom oriented party, that could obviously bolster them and force them to become more freedom oriented as well. So we really have to look at these things and get involved as much as we can. Again, federal gun control is pretty tough. Biden has kind of failed, except for what he was able to sneak in with the omnibus bill, unfortunately. And uh, But without doing things duplicitously like that, they have a hard time passing gun control in Washington. So it comes down to us in the states pushing forward to restore our rights. And if the last few states are any example, almost half the country now is a constitutional carry. So we've made a lot of progress on that front since Florida started with concealed carry licenses back in the 1980s to now that, you know, we have uh, 24 states or, or 23 with uh, constitutional carry. It is 24. So. Uh, man, I had an idea and I just went bloop. With oh, man. I looked at the chat and it got distracted by it. I hate it when <laughs> that happens. Uh, and let's not forget that um, 2022 might be a very important year for the Second Amendment with the Supreme Court cases. We haven't forgotten about those. Mm -hmm. But... Um, so that is where I find that federal would be a word that could affect mm -hmm. gaining that, that second amendment rights back completely, uh, or at least more so less infringement, but like uh, to reiterate what uh, Rolando said, it's really hard to pass gun control unless you slide it in, um, duplicitously and, you know, also pay attention. You know, I, I know that, um, a lot of people chat on the, Republicans uh, that did vote for that omnibus bill that snuck in some gun control through the uh, Violence Against Women's Act that was in there as well. Um, and they just weren't paying attention, most likely. And, you know, some people kind of like forgave them or like said, well, they may not have known that was there. And I do want to remind everyone that that is their nine to five job. What would you, whatever you do on your daily basis, um, what would happen to you if you just went ahead and did stuff, pardon my French, half-assed at your nine to five? You would get fired. Mm -hmm. So don't come at me and say, oh, well, you know, maybe they didn't know it was in there. Like, let's not Nancy Pelosi this. We have to pass the bill to know what's in there, as our famous quote said. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not how it works. What it works is you need to, as as someone who's sitting in office, you're in, in, at that level in Congress. Your role is to look at a bill that is being propositioned, read it, 
think about how would my constituents feel about this and vote based on that. That is not what's done here. I think, especially after hearing some stories, <laughs> I know, again, I'm going to bring up Marjorie, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that she's super controversial. I still, again, have not, I don't know what she's really like. I just got to see her um, on Tim Pool. And that story that she told has stuck with me. So I'm not, I don't know her, okay? I do not know this lady. I'm not saying she's amazing. I just, that story that she told just really ruffled my feathers. The fact that she got basically um, in trouble, even with the Republican Party, her her comrades, that uh, her, her, her fellow party mates got mad at her because she was demanding that they actually vote in person versus having this ridiculous thing that I didn't even know existed where you only had a few people represent the entire party mm-hmm. and they just did like a yay, yay, nay, nay thing instead of having your actual, you know, rep- uh, senators and, and House um, politicians, what are they called? Representatives. Representatives. <laughs> Actually doing their job, showing up to a session and voting yes or no. And the real reason, one, is probably laziness because they're too busy talking to lobbyists and making money on their, you know, in the side uh, and doing what they're not really, that's not their main purpose. And two, because they don't want their names associated with a bill. So, yeah, that story stuck with me. And I just feel like that's not an excuse. Your job, this is the definition of your job. And you're not doing it. And I want you to not make excuses for those 18 senators and 39 representatives that said yes to this omnibus bill because that's not an excuse. Oh, I didn't know it was in there. That's not an excuse. That's laziness. Mm -hmm. That's you admitting that you don't do a good job. Therefore, why shouldn't you get fired? You're making a case for you getting fired if you say, oops, I didn't mean to. I didn't read it. You didn't do your homework. You know what happens when you don't do your homework? You get an F. You got an F, guys. That's it. So that's my two cents on it. Just I'm just saying pay attention to who's doing what and keep that in mind when elections come up because there's going to be someone else in that state that's going to say, you know what, guys, I will actually defend the Second Amendment. Look for that person and vote for that person because that's what's important to you. Yep. Uh, going, uh, yeah, excellent points, Joe. I love it when Joe goes on her rants. They always make me uh, feel warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> oh man now on the positive side of constitutional carry let's talk a little bit about Wait, before oh, you go, go on to it. the next sorry 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 i just saw i forgot um good friend of the show uh mandatory carry who's been here from the very beginning mm-hmm. um did say something about how much money is it gonna take for goa to contact your governor yourself i know he's not a goa fan he said it before however to Make it easier. You can contact your governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, if you are Floridian, very easily by dialing on your telephone, 850-717-9337. Once again, that is 850-717-9337 or going to flgov.com backslash contact. What's that little line? Dash. Uh, governor backslash. So again, that's flgov.com backslash contact dash governor backslash. Very easy. Um, 
you can just send an email straight from that or you can call him on that phone number. So you don't need anybody to do it for you. You can be your own, you know, advocate for your rights. You don't need an organization, although I kind of like working in tandem with organizations too. Mm -hmm. Together we stand stronger. But if you feel like you don't want to go through that route, boom, just call him on your own. Yep. And we've got that on the screen for everybody that's watching live. Uh, we've got the website, again, that Joe mentioned, bfl.gov.com slash contact-governor. So go ahead and check that out. Give Dr. DeSantis your opinion and let him know that we want constitutional carry in Florida. I did want to say, though, grateful for uh, Lewis, who I, I do think that he cares. Um, I do think GOA cares. I just, you know, I, I know that some people don't like the emails, but I am grateful that he gave that suggestion out of the special session because I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. So definitely going to be blowing up his uh, his inbox, sending that idea to DeSantis. Absolutely. Now, on the positive side of constitutional carry, we do have Ohio being the latest state to join the club. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed the bill into law, uh, Senate Bill 215, for permanentless carry in Ohio. So, uh, we, we were always a little bit skeptical. See, this makes Florida and, and not pushing this bill to DeSantis's desk that much more painful because Mike DeWine is pretty much a rhino in a lot of cases. He's pretty flaky. Uh, he was one of the more oppressive of the Republican governors during the lockdowns uh, with COVID-19. So if he signed this, we know that DeSantis will. It's up to the Florida legislature to bring this up. But let's just go over this briefly. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, this is from Bearing Arms, uh, written by Tom Knighton, who we got to meet before uh, at the last Florida Carry event, I believe. Yes, we did, yeah, actually. We did. That was a good event. So he's, he was a good guy. I got to meet him before. Always uh, liked his work. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is speaking for the first time about his decision to sign the permitless carry bill, Senate Bill 215. The legislation will now allow Ohioans to legally carry a concealed firearm without a permit and has been opposed by activists and the state's police union. Gun advocates said the law protects Ohioans' constitutional rights, while opponents say it will lead to more gun violence in the state. About half the states now have this provision, and this is consistent, I think, with the U.S. Constitution, DeWine said during an event Wednesday morning. What we're seeing in our cities, but not just cities and communities across the state, is that violence that is occurring is predominantly from people who have committed violence in the past. DeWine also urged lawmakers to pass a measure that would stiffen penalties on repeat gun offenders, a law that's unlikely to do much of anything to law-abiding citizens, but is still blaming the tool, not the tool using it. I like that. That's, that's funny. Uh, you know, this is what, uh, this is kind of what we always see here. So they're trying to kind of cover, okay, we did constitutional carry. So now we're going to pass other laws here, uh, on the, on the backside, but ultimately it's great for Ohioans to be able to exercise their constitutional rights, be able to carry without a permit, protect themselves in, uh, in all the situations that they may be without any discrimination against anyone for their race or their sex. And it really allows people to have the great equalizer with them so great job ohio really happy for you guys i think this is awesome and now it is great to uh be able to go to ohio go to cedar point and know that we uh don't have to worry about uh restrictive gun laws there absolutely so that's pretty awesome so anybody any ohioans in the chat 
let us know and tell us have how you, you found, feel. Have you found that we talk about Cedar Point like at least once an episode now? Yeah. <laughs> like I think he's trying to tell me something, guys. Like he's he's really kind of hoping that Cedar Point is happening this year. Uh, uh, well, I, it doesn't have to be this year because we do have our uh, season passes for Islands of Adventure. So uh, we don't have to go to it yet, but I would definitely love to go to Cedar Point one day, even though a lot of people are saying that Florida may have the top two roller coasters in the country right now. Oh, because of uh, and, uh, Iron Gwazi? Yeah. What, what is it in Cedar Point that you're like dying to go? Is it an RMC coaster? Well, it, that, for it, the non-roller coaster enthusiasts, an RMC coaster is a um, Rocky, Mountain, Rocky construct. Mountain construction that makes mm -hmm. a wooden coaster with a steel track. So they do things that wooden coasters normally don't do, like go upside down and stalls and um flips and stuff like that and they tend to be considered right now what's very in vogue for roller coasters and it's just the marriage mm -hmm. of the two types so um we have an opened up this year ion guazi in bush gardens so i don't know if we're gonna go this year we're probably gonna go next year because we just got a year pass for universal mm -hmm. so we'll see yep but i wouldn't mind going like if we're gonna do a road trip or something for are we gonna for Ro any reason road trip up there i don't know if, if we would want a road trip right now with the way that uh Biden's oh, America is with yeah, gas, gas prices. Yeah. So. Yeah, we we made this mistake of saying we're gonna road trip up to Missouri. Um. And train and learn. We're hoping the learn. gas won't be six bucks a gallon. I when think we go. it's gonna be like ten. And no, it's gonna it be won't the be. most expensive thing. I'm gonna be basically. It's gonna be like ten dollars uh, a gallon. I'm gonna be like, dude, I'm sorry, we're not road tripping. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we're gonna have to check like ten. We're gonna have to get like a hundred Pelican cases and check them all. <laughs> With all the equipment we need oh, to bring man. up, there. I don't think flying is going to be any cheaper, though. Unfortunately, yeah, because of um, I I made he made fun of me by calling it rocket fuel, uh -huh. uh, jet fuel. Yep, <laughs> it's going to go up in price. So yeah, if you guys haven't thought about that, uh, gasoline prices going up will also affect um, plane prices, plane ticket prices. And I already thought of that immediately as soon as it started happening. I'm like, wait, uh, I saw it actually when it started happening. Um, some place that I, I saw it happen. Like I, I delayed a few days in buying a ticket for when I went to Alabama and then it was like $800. And I'm like, Jeez what? Louise. Seriously? I've, I have not seen these prices. And now it's even, you know, I, I've heard, I haven't had to book anything uh, in the last couple of weeks. So I've heard from others say that the prices are going up sky high. So yeah, I don't see us going on vacation too often uh, anytime soon. Uh, no, right now it's getting tough. I'm sure that a lot of you out there are feeling the pain at the pump. I know that I believe that Uber and Lyft are adding like fuel surcharges yes. for their and yeah, adding uh, said, bonuses for their drivers. They said the drivers the weren't making any profit. So yep. they basically were working for nothing. So that's pretty um, crazy. That is actually insane. Yep. It is. Uh, it's, it's rough right now. Take the, uh, take the road trip to train and learn. You only live once and road trips are always worth it. Uh, says G webs. Well, I yeah, like, we're definitely like, doing yeah, it this time. We're definitely sure. going. Yeah. Are you, by the way, G-Webs, I know you always do the road trip to um, one of the gun shows. Is it Tulsa? Are Shot you... show. No, oh, he goes no. to Tulsa. He yeah, goes to was... a lot of them. Yeah. Are you planning on uh, doing your uh, road trip to the... Oh, uh, you want to mute that. Uh, to the great gun shows that you usually do this year. And um, will the effect of uh, the prices of gasoline cause that to be postponed for 2023? Yeah. I mean, the way that I look at it, because, you know... We had our elite overlords talking, you know, over the last few weeks about, oh, you should buy an electric car. If you saw this week, Tesla upped the price of their Model 3s to so like $46,000. dollars that now. Pete Buttigieg actually said that urbanites would be the ones who would most 
benefit from this and it's like dude you're talking about people in like low socioeconomics uh situations who are complaining about gas like the rich are not complaining about gas it's the people who are hitting like that have to drive a lot that it's affecting their day-to-day -day. some people have very strict like um what's it called budgets you know and they don't have you know if anything covid and everyone getting locked out of their jobs for a few months at least florida only had a couple months and then we went back to being open but a lot of people were relying on those um stim checks and yep. you know like to us it was like we got to dip into our savings to keep things like normal if anybody had any like like i took a hit back in my previous job i didn't you know get furloughed until later but for a little while i was making like half wages because i wasn't working full weeks so you know it was very apparent that the majority of America doesn't have savings to dip into when the time gets tough. They live, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. So that's a really crappy thing for Pete Buttigieg to say, well, it would behoove you to just buy a, and you're going to be the one who benefits the most out of getting a Tesla. Mm -hmm. That's really like disconnected from reality of, you know, clearly you are of means and you don't understand people who don't and who money is not just, you know, like money is a real problem that they have to deal with on a daily basis. Maybe they have many kids, maybe they have high rent, you know, every day, everything's getting more expensive. So some, it just sounds like we're complaining, but it's not complaining. It's just like, this is the difference between being able to live and, you know, a normal, um, life and being out on the street. So Absolutely. that's really crappy of him to yep. say that. And look, let's be perfectly honest too, for the people out there that are saying this, Okay, so you're talking about a $46,000 car uh, around there. That's what the base Model 3 costs. If you want a car that can even be close to equivalent to a gasoline-powered car, that's probably half the price. And I mean that has a usable range, and that's a reasonable-sized car. You've got things like the Nissan Leaf, but they only get about 100 miles per charge, and even less if you live in a cold-weather state. So you're talking about, in the case of getting a bare minimum electric car, getting a car that is in many cases in your day-to-day -day use inferior to an ice-powered, an internal combustion engine vehicle, or a hybrid, you know, that gets a better balance of both of both worlds. So, And you're also telling people who probably have a car that is paid off because we know that the average age of a car in the U.S. now, I think, is more than 10 years uh, for most people. So you're telling me $46,000 car without the interest rates, tax, and everything, let's just say we're going to take that price there. You're going to pay it off over a typical 60-month uh, 60 loan. That's going to be a payment of somewhere almost 766 bucks a month, roughly. And again, that's just the MSRP. We haven't factored in uh, ta taxes in areas and the interest rate of the loan. So you're looking at probably closer to 850 bucks a month. Now, I don't know about you, but we both, both of our cars are paid off. So you're telling us to go from paid off cars that yes, we may be spending money on fuel, but there's no way that I'm going to spend nearly $800 a month in fuel. And if you're spending that much in fuel, it's probably because you have a large vehicle of which there is no equivalent electric vehicle for you to buy. If you have a pickup truck for your business or something like that, there is nothing out there like that. If you have an SUV or a crossover, you've got stuff like the Ford, uh, the, uh, the unfortunately called Mustang Mach-E and uh, the Tesla Model X. But again, that is now pushing well past 
that $46,000 threshold. And you're looking at closer to $1,000 a month to finance an electric vehicle that gives you the capability or the form factor of an equivalent ICE car that you may have now that is most likely paid off. Let's be perfectly honest. So there is no, there's really no level where you're going to reach that level of uh, that uh, cost benefit analysis. Now, maybe if gas is getting to 10 or $15 a gallon, that may make a difference, but you're also going to see the demand for electric cars go through the roof, which is again, with the global supply chain shortage that has been going on for the last few years, their price is going to go up because of the raw materials cost going up as well. So this is really unworkable in every way that we look at. The best thing that you can do realistically is to try to keep the car that you have for as long as possible. Because again, you're not wasting raw materials for another car to get manufactured. You're not causing more lithium to be mined out of the ground from other countries that don't like us because we are afraid of polluting the United States, but we have no issue outsourcing our pollution to other countries throughout the world, which really results in, well, we can say that our carbon emissions have been dropped, but uh, you know, other countries haven't because we're just exporting all that manufacturing and mining to other countries when we can do it here ourselves with better technology that will make it ultimately better for the environment when we do it. So again, why have somebody else do for you what you can do for yourself here? That's what we advocate here. So I, I always advocate in all the above strategy. Right now, we have an infrastructure for internal combustion gasoline-powered cars. More hybrids? I think that would be a cool idea. More electric cars? Sure. But again, we can't lie about where, where the fuel for the grid comes from. We have an administration and a, and a political party that fights against nuclear power, even though that's the best way out of this, especially in the immediate term. We know a lot of uh, we, the technology's gotten better. We have other countries like France who've been doing this consistently for 40 years that do a pretty good job of it. And I have confidence that we wouldn't have any issues going forward with nuclear power and electrifying our grid through other means. So I understand, look, fossil fuels are the best thing that we've got right now. They're uh, more efficient than many other fuel sources as far as energy density. We work with that. We leverage our other technologies. But ultimately, we don't want to lose our own personal sovereignty. And we can't let uh, elitists dictate for us what they would want to do. When we know that they won't make any sacrifices whatsoever, whether it comes to purchasing cars or personal security, they can always get a bunch of uh, security guards that can carry fully automatic weapons with body armor, all that good stuff to protect their families wherever they go. We don't have that luxury. We have to be able to defend ourselves, but they want to take away our rights. We need to be able to drive ourselves to go to work, to be able to buy groceries, to be able to go to different events throughout the country. They don't care. They've got private jets. They can afford any car. This is not a big deal for them. You know, cars could cost a million dollars each, and for a lot of these people, they'll still pay for it. It won't be a problem. And ultimately, that exclusivity is what they desire. You know, it is for too long, the peons in this world, the normal folk, we've, uh, we've been riding high here. We've gotten internal air conditioning. We've got plumbing. We've got all that good stuff. We've got Netflix, and we can chill anytime that we want. Uh, you know, we, we can call cars to pick us up without us owning them if we don't want to. We can call food from anywhere in the country. You can even order ice cream from certain ice cream parlors in like New York and get it at your house the next day. Pretty crazy what we have. Yeah.
Seriously? Yeah, there's a, there's some pretty cool food services out there that you pay like 100 bucks a month and you can order from all these restaurants all around the uh, country. I never heard of that. Yeah, I forgot what it's called. I heard it on a, on a show a Sounds couple of months bougie. ago. I don't think I'd be paying $100 yeah. a month for ice cream from New York. Yeah. No, that's just me. But yeah, that's, uh, that's how it is. Uh, you know, we've got all these great things, but they want to take it away. They want those luxuries to be exclusive to them. They want to talk about the environment and... You know, it's uh, there's this tweet that let's see if I want to I want to bring it up here. I believe it was from Bloomberg Fly, the Bloomberg Bloomberg, Bloomberg Financial. I'm getting tongue twisted over here. You're sounding like Joe. I know, and it uh, ultimately said inflation will affect those who make below uh, three hundred fifty thousand dollars the most, and these are the things that you should do, and it just it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think Luke Rakowski actually retweeted it. So what's uh, Luke? We are change. Yeah, there we go. And it was just it just makes you laugh when you see something like this, because that's all you can do when you read it. So, uh, I mean, that's one of them. And I, didn't, I saw it on his YouTube page. But yeah, it was from Bloomberg Financial said uh, inflation affects those who make under 350. Oh, it was actually CNN. Uh, well, that's another one. This is about climate change, but it's kind of the same uh, hubris that we see here. Oh, my God. Yeah. This one. So CNN, scared by that new report on climate change? I haven't heard of it. Here's what you can do to help. Eat less meat, about 30%. Swap your car or plane ride for a bus or train and use a smart thermostat in your home. And I love this response by this Adam Johnson underneath. Reminder that 100 corporations are responsible for 71% of global greenhouse gas emissions and presenting the crisis as a moral failing on the part of individuals without noting this fact is journalistic malpractice. Well, I think I brought up this point when I, even before this all happened, I think I mentioned a few, maybe a couple months ago that I had read this, what you can do to help with climate change. And it, it was like praising this individual who said that she was going to travel less to see her family instead of going once a year, she was going to go every few years. And I just like, I started like feeling like a twitch. I'm like, are we encouraging like basically the, the little people who maybe only take a few flights a year? Like stop trying to tell them that that's, that's who's causing it. This is, this is very much caused by the big stuff is, is being like, oh, the, you know, we can't do anything about the corporations, but us peons have to take on that full thing. And, and we basically see it. Um, I think we talked about it when it was the Build Back Better bill, or was that mm -hmm. it? No, 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 the greenhouse one, the, the green something. The, when green, AOC, the green, new, green New Deal? Green New Deal, thank you, the greenhouse one. Yeah. Um, and one of the things in there was about, and again, this is a vegetarian telling this, which is, you know, who actually does believe in people not eating meat. But um, here's, here's the tweet that I meant to bring out. Oh, well, hold on. Let me talk. tell, tell a two-second thing. No, go for um, it. My point was at the time, you know, I believe AOC is supporting this when she goes first, and she actually does these things that she's pushing and forcing other people to do when this when AOC becomes fully vegetarian and gives up flying on planes then I'll believe her that she's supporting something like the green new deal and the same thing with that and that energy is the same they want us to do those sacrifices so that they can continue to do what they need to do go ahead and, and show this Bloomberg opinion thing yeah you guys can see it if you're watching it uh live right now on our YouTube channel it's from Bloomberg Opinion. Inflation sings most if you earn less than 300K. I'm sorry, I said 350. Here's how to deal. Take a bus. Don't buy in bulk. Okay, so spend more money because in bulk is usually cheaper. Yes. So uh, try lentils instead of meat. 
What the crap? And nobody said this would be fun. What kind of elitist garbage is this? So basically it says, stop complaining. Wow, that last one, nobody said this would be fun. Yeah. Crack those guys at Bloomberg because that is elitist bull crap. Yep. You're telling us not to complain. And you're basically saying, this is stings if you're poor. Nobody said this was fun, so stop complaining. And yep. eat the food of the poor, which, you know, like, that's... Coming from a family that came from uh, very humble means in South America and in the Caribbean, I have heard stories about how my mom didn't basically, she was like, being a vegetarian was actually really easy later on in life because I barely ate, you know, any meat because we were so poor growing up with, um, my family comes from, my grandma had 16 kids. So you can imagine in a rural era, in a rural um, setting in Colombia, in the mountains of Colombia, uh, having 16 kids would be very difficult to sustain. So my mom barely ate any meat. They had to eat beans and lentils and things like that to sustain themselves. Um, so that actually like is really hits home. It's like, don't say stuff like that and think that like, that's to me super fucking elitist. I'm sorry. Yep. I'm sorry. You're, you can't say, go ahead and stop complaining. And while you're there, give up and eat lentils. Although frankly, coming again from a vegetarian, I actually think that'd be healthier for you, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is... I just don't like the energy is what I'm saying. It's it's not coming from an energy of making, like, looking out for you. It's coming from an energy of stop complaining. That's yeah. where I feel it's coming from. And especially that we know that they're not going to cut their consumption. Yeah. Very few of them are like Elon Musk, who basically gave up all his mansions and now lives in some tiny home that's worth 50 grand. By the way, if no one, <laughs> like, if you don't believe that, look up an article about his ex-girlfriend Grimes, who's a singer. I think she's Canadian. She's a little bit eclectic. Mm -hmm. She's the mom of E A E X L, whatever the they name is. They had two kids. Yeah, two kids. Yeah, they just had a second kid, by the way. A lot of people don't know that. Um, she had a child by surrogate. But she's actually a famous pop star internationally. And she was saying how her life was, she felt like she was stuck in between two lives because when she was with um, Elon, she said I, he wouldn't even buy a new mattress. She's like, there was a hole in the mattress on my side and he just said we'll flip it over um so if anyone craps on him like he's he can be whatever he you want to say it but at least he was not he's not a type of person who kind of lives higher than other people he's very much tries to minimize his um what he spends and comes lives very humbly and he lives basically gave up all his possessions and lives in a tiny home very very humbly so i don't know how i feel about him he's very weird he does does some things that I think is cool and then turns around and does like questionable things. And I, again, we've had this conversation where we yep. think that he thinks this is all a simulation. So I don't know what, like, I really just don't know where he's at mentally. Um, and I'll probably will never know because that's probably, a, you know, only the people who know him closest will know this, but I at least applaud him for, you know, when he does say things and tweets things out, I feel like that, that I support, I feel like it's coming from, not the place of an elitist, but he tries to live like a normal person and sometimes below normal person, like poverty level. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's how it, but well, you know, but very few of them are willing to live that way. Yeah, no, yeah. And I'm not saying they have to. I'm mm -hmm. just saying I respect him for actually understanding and living at that level so he can be, he's not disconnected like Pete Buttigieg who says stupid things like people in low socioeconomic uh, situations would be the ones who best benefit from buying a $50,000 car. Yeah. Uh, out of touch completely. Now, obviously there is a strategic 
there's a strategic reasoning behind all of this. You know, you can believe whether uh, what's going on with the world and the weather is man-made or if it's a natural cycle. I can tell you that if there is one country that absolutely believes this is going to happen and they're betting on it, and that is Russia right now. If you see their capacity with, they've been basically betting on the ice caps melting on the Northwest Passage opening up, which they've already used it once. Uh, that will open a direct shipping lane from them, from their ports in the north, to be able to go to China without having to go all the way around from you know Europe, Africa, through the Indian Ocean and back up through uh, the South China Sea. Now they'll have a direct line. They can go pretty much 90% of the way through their own territory, uh, go through the Sea of Japan and make it straight to China there. So they've been investing in icebreakers, nuclear-powered icebreakers pretty heavily and building up a lot of their former Soviet bases around the Arctic Circle. So, uh, you know, it's happening. They're preparing for it. When you see major countries preparing for things like that, that's when you know, okay, this is this is legit. It doesn't really matter at this point. The why doesn't necessarily matter this much. It's adapting to the future that we're going to have. Now, there's going to be some other repercussions if this all comes to play. You're going to have more temperate areas in the northern latitudes. I would, I would argue that it's possible that you're going to have more farmland than, than has ever existed in human history. Uh, you're going to have a lot of areas like the north and Canada that are going to have more temperate climates. And again, that's going to help with crop production and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how the world changes through the fossil record. We've seen how the climate has changed in the past from uh, you know the age of the dinosaurs to the ice age and how the world uh, and life has adapted to that. So it'll be a new challenge in the future and it may not be what people think. Uh, so, But strategically, it's something that we need to get prepared for. And again, this makes it that much more frustrating when you know these things are happening, other countries are preparing for it, and we don't tap into our resources in states like Alaska, which would then become a, an extremely critical uh, territory to own there because the Russian trade routes would go right between the uh, Kamchatka, I believe, that peninsula and the the Aleutian Islands uh, in Alaska. So that's going to open up a lot of uh, importance there. The airport in Juneau is going to become much more important as well. It was in the past for international trade and travel because of uh, direct flights through the north. So uh, it's just things we need to prepare for. And Alaska is a huge, huge bed of natural resources, especially rare earths, which if you tap into those resources may not be that rare. And it's another way to make us more in, independent. If you want the U.S. to start transitioning uh, to more electric cars, then you need the resources for that. You need the cobalt. You need the lithium. You need those types of materials that right now we import most of them from China, but we've got a lot of them here. So why would we give up our strategic advantage, our own independence with our natural resources and our technological edge uh, to countries that hate us especially when we see the volatility with what's going on in Ukraine uh, with the dollar, the price of oil, trying to expel Russia from the global financial system and the repercussions that can have. You're starting to see countries like Saudi Arabia flirt with China saying that rather than uh, selling their oil in dollars, they'd be willing to sell directly using the Chinese yuan, which is going to cause problems. If you think that inflation is bad now, imagine what's going to happen if other countries now can use their own currency or China's currency to purchase goods rather than the dollar, that is going to take a lot of value from the dollar. 
Now, a lot of this is our own fault because of the Fed and ultimately the policies of the West over the last few years, essentially forcing, you know, we don't have a one world currency right now, but the dollar kind of de facto has been that for the last, you know, few decades where if you want to do business internationally, it's always in dollars or you'll see the equivalent of what the dollars would be. Uh, we saw some changes with that with the euro and we're going to see more changes in the future. Cryptocurrency is also going to affect that. So it's important to diversify in a lot of different um, in a lot of different financial resources, so to speak, and just to be aware of all of that. So what have we got going on in the chat? I see the chat is I'm super catch, active tonight. I'm trying to catch up. I'm like a million years behind. So hey, everybody, I'm just saying hi to people who popped up like probably like half an hour ago. I'm trying to get through it. Um, by the way, I didn't, I don't know if you saw it, but people gave you kudos for a haircut. Oh, thanks. Uh, I didn't see that. Yes. Uh, Rolo. How many months has it been? It's I think been it's been a, like four months, maybe. It, it was, uh, yeah. You guys didn't see it because he kept it under a hat, but his hair was ridiculously long. I could actually put a little like. So I was the opposite of a lot of people. A lot of people wear hats to try to hide their balding. That's the complete opposite case of here. I had too much hair and I didn't want to deal with it. So, and it just becomes really, how does it get? It gets like wavy poofy, and like, like yeah, poofy. Wavy. It doesn't just like fall to the side. Yeah. He's, it's just like poof. Like yeah. there's just no other way to say it. It's just a poof of hair and it just nothing can be done. I tried to like get him to style it with like mousse. It's just like, it was untamable. You just, there's no other way for him to handle it. It's just, just cut it. Yeah. You got to cut it or wear a hat. That's pretty much uh, the only choice that I've got. So yeah, thanks a lot, uh, everybody, for the for the compliments. I appreciate it. I feel like a human again that I can go out without uh, needing to wear a hat. Even though we've got a lot of cool hats now. I mean, I love wearing my hats; uh, they're pretty sweet. But it's nice not to worry about that and feel a little bit more comfortable. Plus, uh, somebody says that hats will uh, make you go bald. So. I don't think. That's <laughs> I don't think. That's I think that's an urban legend. That's like by moms told by mothers that don't want their kids to look like hooligans back in the day. Uh, I've never heard of that. <laughs> But I also just never. But it could be that it starts pulling on your hair if you. Well, that wear is your actually hat. a real yeah. thing. Like, you and then see you that can a lot start like women. basically pulling your women's hair Women's hairlines uh, start getting like when they have really tight hairlines, uh, hair dues, or like um, when when you have I, what was that model who went started having balding issues because she never. I, I know who you're talking about, but I don't remember her name. She's uh, because she, of weave and stuff like that. Because she tight like you pull really hard on even people who don't wear weave. Like if you just wear. I don't, why are we talking about this but basically yes it's they, true. They, they mentioned haircuts in the chat and now joe's throwing down her knowledge of hair uh, it's just true it's if you create tension it's gonna you're gonna put tension on the hair the root and it's gonna not grow so yes fyi um mandatory carry earlier in the chat said he uh wishes goa respond to his emails my i don't know if there's like a general box of response like sending out but um have you tried sending out specifically to your representative that is of you know your state representative for goa if you're i uh remind me what state you're in and if you don't know I'll, uh your goa person mandatory carry i'll reach out to lewis and see if i can hook it up and get you a connection there so let me know um and then good evening to everybody else i'm, I'm trying to catch up to say hello i love saying hello uh dj play nice hey and cnt designs and arms i saw you earlier and trying to catch up and say hey Hey to Pat and Bernie, uh, everybody in there. It's good to see you. Yes, awesome. Uh, you guys make the show a lot better. I know I go on my rant sometimes and I lose what's going on, but we catch things every once in a while. I, I try to, and Joe tries to keep up with it. And uh, 
it's always your goal. I, I make it your mission to try to derail us on tangents because we love uh, we love going off on tangents. So. We both have legitimately have ADD. Yeah. So. So uh, and yes, uh, uh, going back to the tweet that we shared earlier from Bloomberg, G Webs had an even worse version uh, going to their economics page, and we can share it here where it says, "From selling your car to for for yeah, foregoing chemotherapy for your dog." And uh, someone down here kind of talks a little bit about the article itself, which you can check out here if you want to. I always encourage you to read because, hey, uh, headlines can be sensationalized. But uh, go to a kickboxing class, have a margarita, take the bus, don't buy in bulk, try lentils instead of meat, sell your car, and forego chemotherapy for your dog. Actual advice from the Biden White House and their allies in the media in the recent weeks. Wait, 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 wait. This is not all in this article. This is uh, an uh a compilation, the greatest hits of things that they've said over the last few weeks. I, I'm confused by the kickboxing class because <laughs> as someone who did go to kickboxing classes, they're very expensive. I used to, uh, what was the one that was down here, but before we lived here, um, my God. Uh, yeah, there was a, some, an MMA. Some, an MMA gym that yeah, was down here before I lived. They're not here anymore. But anyway, um, there was a, I used to go with my friend to a kickboxing class weekly and it was like a hundred dollars. So don't tell me that kickboxing classes are affordable for and if you're giving advice. Be a community kickboxing class. I just, please, like I, these things happen in theory. <laughs> I've heard of these things. Like find your um, municipality uh, webpage, and they usually have you know low discount things. I've been looking for that. Like okay, our municipality does have uh, free yoga once a week um, at the city hall, which is kind of cool. But no. I have yet to see free martial arts, low low cost martial arts, or low cost kickboxing in any of the municipalities that I've ever lived in. So they have free gun classes. Do they really? No, I said they, no, they should. should. <laughs> I, I think that would be behoove everyone because, once again, education, not legislation, is how. Well, actually, both. That should be both education and legislation, um, because education gets rid of accidents. Because if you know what you're doing, you're not going to accidentally cause an accident. Yeah. And two. Because uh, you know the safety rules, and two, um, gets rid of that stigma and misinformation about how dangerous an inanimate object can be. So both are very important. Indeed, they are. Uh, let's see where we were going to go here. I had a few other articles up here. Uh, I did want to bring up this uh, now that we are part of the Bureau of Propaganda. Want to bring up something cool that Brownells is doing? It's called the Mag Dump effort. They're trying to raise funds for the Second Amendment Foundation's challenge of the Washington Magazine ban. We spoke a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago where uh, essentially Governor Jay Inslee signed into law uh, a bill that is basically removing outlawing standard capacity magazines in the state of Washington. Brownells is working with the SAF to help Washington state gun owners procure reliable, proven standard capacity magazines for their AR-15 style firearms before the ban goes into effect to help guarantee their ability to exercise their Second Amendment rights and freedoms. And the second goal is to supply cash to the SAF that will be earmarked to help fund a lawsuit to be filed against the ban on all magazines that carry more than 10 rounds. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, Brownells has it on their website. They are donating $2 from every 30 round magazine purchased to the SAF. So that's pretty cool. That is really nice. So and, so what are they doing here? They're they're um, going to mount a legal challenge. So they want to get to do a countersuit? Yes. They're going to try to take this all the way to the top and see if they can overturn this magazine ban in Washington. 
Um, that's pretty cool. And you know what? I'm sure uh, you can do this. And who doesn't need more magazines? Magazines are great. Uh, you you more magazines the better because mm-hmm. you just load them up and then you don't have to. Who who has time if you're you know doing a big training session to sit there with your with your box of ammo and put them in one by one with your your thumb and it starts to get sore and you're like oh I'm wasting my time because most most places you you pay by the hour and you're just like man I'm wasting my day just just pre do it man get a bunch of mags do that at home show up to the range with like 20 mags mm-hmm. and just like keep going don't lose your momentum so love that yep. uh go buy mags from brownells uh and preload your ammo before going to the range yep. and support saf and how I'm many sure times you- do you see that when you go to the range when we see a lot of especially the new shooters go and they're they got their box of ammo they've got their magazines and then they're sitting there just i mean killing I their did, thumbs there i, I know i definitely did that especially in the beginning mm-hmm. um before we accumulated the crap ton of magazines that we have and the mag loaders and the mag loaders uh uh shout out to uh maglula uplula Ma- yeah i can never pronounce that maglula uplula i my thumbs appreciate you they're pretty cool. Everyone should get them or any other I think cool everybody mag loader knows out there. About them. Yeah, absolutely. But if you don't, it get will, one. It will save your thumbs. We've got a cool range down here that they have them at every bay attached. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've got it on a, on like a cord, and uh, you can use them there. And that's where we found out about them and started using them. But yeah, we usually go in with like ten to twenty magazines loaded, depending on how many guns we've got and what we're going to shoot, uh, ready to go. So. Uh, no, I don't have any clips. Uh, I don't have any clip-fed guns, anything cool like that. So I wish I had clips and so then I could talk about clips and then people would think I'm uh, speaking incorrectly, but it's like, no. They no, would really be like, ha! No, I really do. I've got a clip right here. So, so Tony says that he's, uh, I'm, I'm once again going in the chat a million years behind. Uh, Tony says he's thinking about flying instead of uh, driving to yeah. uh train and learn, which I think uh, it's going to be questionable, Tony, because like I said, I think that plane yeah i almost said train plane prices uh tickets are going to be going up too so uh depending on that i think we're still going to end up driving because just a crap ton of stuff it's that easier we're bring. yeah because we're bringing uh not just our training gear so our guns you know we're bringing rifles pistols we're bringing our podcast equipment too so uh, we're going to be able to do the show from there have some good interviews and that's just going to be way too much stuff to have to carry on a plane and worry about losing it i'd much rather have it in the car and we're ready to go, and we can try to make a trip out of it. Who knows? Maybe we can stop at Silver Dollar City or something like that. That's, see, that's the real <laughs> driving. Ting Ting in the chat also said, a million years ago, China is opening up and plane prices are going up fast. I don't understand the correlation between China opening up and the plane prices, but... More, more travel in China, and they're buying more planes as well to uh, satiate their domestic air policy. Oh, and Tony and they're opening the plane up tickets after from... The, uh, from from where he's at is actually going down. So that's good. Cool. So we'll see how that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anywho, what else you got? Uh, okay, let's bring this up. Can I, I mean, I was gonna- No, uh, no, go for it. Uh, well, if you want to, you can go to your next topic. No, no, go. Okay, so I didn't have my articles pulled up, but um, since <laughs> I consider myself a, I don't know, the cultural repercussions of calling myself a feminist anymore but you know i i try not to bring this topic up um because i feel really weird about it um i'm not anti-lgbtq because 
you know, I think my people know stance, uh, uh, what's uh, Chris Chang is one, uh, is a friend of the show. Yeah, um, yeah. I I believe in freedom in the sense of you know you can do whatever you want to if you want to identify as a chair go and identify as a chair I don't care um, if you want to have a relationship with same sex person that's on you that's not that doesn't affect me because that's your relationship um, when it does affect me is when I feel that, um, and again, uh, I feel terrible that this is even, this is even something that's controversial that women are scared of speaking up. And I, I, I'm admitting it right now. I just don't want to have people say that I'm, you know, a bigot cause I'm not <gasps> seriously. Yeah, it's perfect. Like I feel so bad for JK Rowling. One of my childhood I don't know if I can call it childhood. I was a teenager. I mean, Harry Potter series is right over there. Like, I mean, I don't feel too bad for her. She's a billionaire. But no, no, no. no. But I think it's really crappy that because she stood up for women and said that women shouldn't be replaced by trans women. And it's, it's just, I, she got basically, um, she her legacy was destroyed. You know, and we were talking about this recently because of, you know, the Fantastic Beast movies. We recently watched them. And I read a bunch of articles about why the Fantastic Beasts art, uh, movies did so bad. And it was because J.K. Rowling is problematic. She's problematic for standing up for women, like biological women. The fact that I forgot who that guest was on Tim Pool. There was a guest who was also um, considered a terp. Um, Turf. That's what I said. <laughs> I, I just I mispronounced my, my last letter. Uh, transphobic, um, exclusionary, radical feminist. So that's a, a slur word that is being used for women who just want to stand up for biological women and not get replaced by trans women. It doesn't mean we don't believe in trans women existing. They can do whatever they want. We are just asking that we're not getting replaced. So this is coming into one, the fact that I was watching um, Fantastic Beasts and I had to be like, well, why did it do, do so bad? And it did bad because of other reasons. Like, I mean, yeah, it's not as good yeah, as Yeah, but I was reading the article and I wanted to know how it did. And, you know, I just, it really struck me that you know, J.K. Rowling was considered problematic because she made these statements. Um, J uh, ironically, Caitlyn Jenner's, who is a trans woman, decided to stand up for women, biological women as well, and she was considered problematic for doing that because all she was saying was speaking up about the swimming situation that happened because of this gentleman uh, or female, whatever you want. Okay, her, her, she identifies as her, so I'm not going to disrespect her. Leah Thomas. Uh, winning all these titles for the NCAA swimming. Um, you know, she's been making a splash in news even before we got to the, um, you know, higher university level of swimming, just enter into her school, you know, like, what is she, in Penn State? In the Ivy League uh, competitions, yeah. Yes. So then we've, you know, she was already creating issues. UPenn. UPenn, UPenn? Yeah. whatever it is. Um, you know, she was ranking uh, 462nd when she was on the men's team. Then she went from ranking uh, 462nd to ranking first. So if that doesn't show you that there's quite a discrepancy in terms of biology and the performance there, I don't know what else to tell you. But um, I'm the only reason I'm talking about this is because this made news that she won a bunch of titles uh, this week uh, for the NCAA. And I'm not here for it. I'm <laughs> Sadly, I have to say... I'm not here for it. Um, I do feel like women are getting replaced, and I do think that is a feminine, a women's rights thing. And it's pretty disrespectful to me as a woman that I can't even say that without being called names and being basically saying I'm a bigot. I'm not being a bigot. I'm just saying 
I this is going to take a stand. I, I basically didn't think I was going to be talking about this on the show, and I can see some people don't like hearing about this. Um, but yeah, I'm not here for it, and I'm not, you know, I'm not. I'm going to finally be open about it. I'm. I'm don't. I'm not here for it. I don't mm-hmm. like it. Um, and I stand with biological women fighting up and speaking up for their rights. Think about if you had a daughter and she spent so much time of her life preparing and training for a sport just so that she can get second instead of first if she was, you know, that was her entire life because someone who had an unfair advantage or an unfair playing field came forward and did that. So, you know, I I, I think I really hit me when I was reading um, an article about the girl who placed 17th in one of the races and the top 16 go to the finals. So I think that's what really hit me hard. So just wanted to bring that up um, and spread that message and come forward and say something because I don't care if you call me a bigot because that's I'm just being pro-woman. Yep. And um, to, to use the language of, you know, the left, I'm speaking my truth. And it does, I feel like women have gone through so much throughout the years. Um, in some countries, they're still considered second-class citizens. Um, we had to fight for our right to vote. And for our right to be where we are and just, and to own just, guns and to own guns too. And I just feel like this is a step backwards. Um, and I just think we can coexist. I just don't think it's right to, you know, have that replacement. And also the fact that women of the year on USA, USA today and uh, Rachel Levine was chosen as a woman of the year by USA today. If you don't know who she is, she's the, uh, is she the Surgeon General? What is she? The, uh, I believe the Deputy Surgeon General. Yeah, uh, for, for in the federal government. So she was chosen as a Woman of the Year. And again, that's a little bit of a, you know, it is what it is. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's all I wanted to say on that. And um, I know some people have issue with that, but I don't care. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I agree. It's it's a problem because we've also been seeing just it's really going towards the children. That is a huge problem here. And we're even seeing, I mean, look, I, I can't, I'm not one to speak. I'm a straight dude, but you, you even see it in the, within the, uh, the gay and lesbian community too, where it really almost seems where if you have a tendency or you're attracted to the same sex, they're just going to say that you're trans instead when you may just be might be gay and that's a totally different thing you don't want to change your body or anything like that you're just attracted to people of the same sex totally different than wanting to change your body gender dysmorphia or anything like that you're pushing children to make permanent decisions that will sterilize them that are irreversible that can lead to other problems in the future so it's it's deeply concerning especially when there's no discussion it pretty much went from hey cool uh, you know, the millennial generation did was for gay rights and for gay marriage. But we went from that to now moving towards something that's completely different. Now we're actually denying reality. So when you start denying physical reality, when you start taking away other people's rights for an extreme minority that may be disingenuous in some cases, in other cases, you may need to look and say, hey, is there something else going on that we need to look at this? Why are so many people coming out this way? This is a little bit strange and abnormal. Is there a reason behind this? Is there a social contagion aspect? Is it a pop cultural aspect that's pushing this to be a quote unquote fad? Are you pushing young people to make permanent decisions? Are you destroying families by, you know, this is what the parental rights act 
in Florida tried to prevent from schools actively telling their students to lie about certain things, what they're going through to their parents. And in many cases, you'll end up with kids. Every kid has an imagination. They want to be something different. You know, there are kids that play with a lot of different toys. It doesn't mean that they are a certain way. You can have a lot of girls growing up that hang out with the boys and play with boys' toys. Back in the day, what was that called, Joe? Being a tomboy. I was a tomboy. Yeah, so nowadays when you're looking at girls that may be in that position that are tomboys, you're like, well, you're just a dude. Well, uh, I heard that you know. now the term tomboy is actually considered like a, a term that is not, P, like it's not PC. PC, yeah, now, of course. Because it implies something or it implies that, yeah. you know, like you're, as a girl, you're using boys' toys and, and it's not like, I don't know what they're going with, but yeah. basically you're not allowed to say t tomboy anymore. Of course. So, and... and and you can have the opposite. You can have a boy that maybe plays with different dolls because he's got sisters and things like that, but he ends up being a total bro when he grows up in a, in a stereotypical sense. So it's really just destroying all of this. So it really just comes down to trying to maintain what we've, you know, what women have fought for for so many years. And honestly, it's about, you know, men... I mean, just as a man, I can't imagine competing against women and, and feeling pride with, you know, doing that. It wouldn't make me feel good. To me, it's almost, uh, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a weak gesture in my part, uh, in my opinion. And that's really, that's not our role here. So uh, I'm glad that Joe brought it up. It's a controversial topic. We brought it up in the past about how we feel about it. And, uh, you know, interactions or people that we've seen in, within that community and kind of the struggles that they've had. So it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's where we're at. So we'll, uh, we'll keep posting on this. Hopefully, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people think that this is kind of the direction that, uh, this country has been going and it hasn't been good. Uh, I happen to kind of, I happen to agree with that. When you start denying reality and you don't allow people to look at the bottom of this and say, okay, what's going on here? Why do people feel this way? Is this a legitimate thing? Or is there something deeper going on? Are there people that have had problems in their homes in the past uh, that, you know, is causing them to make these decisions? Is it a peer pressure situation? Has society pushed up something too much when, yes, there might be a percentage of people that are that way, but because of the cultural forces and the influence, now you're starting to push people over that really aren't that at all. So it's making sure that you treat people the way that they should be and also prevent, you know, other people's rights from being infringed. So, so yeah, I couldn't help but notice uh, we lost some viewers when I started talking <laughs> about that. And I'm sorry that I offended you by saying that, but I'm not sorry that I'm standing up for women. And that's it. That's how I feel about it. Anyway, now you can go on to your next thing. <laughs> G-Web says... In his opinion, girls should not play with toys made for boys or else we run the risk of spreading cooties everywhere. <laughs> Did we learn nothing? Thanks for G-Wes. Thanks, G-Wes, for lightening it up uh, there. We always appreciate you. And, yeah, what happened to cooties, man? Like, we were all afraid of that. I don't know what happened to that. It I became COVID, so. <laughs> <laughs> I said it earlier anyway. I think, uh, no, I think once you hit puberty, you gain uh, resistance against cooties. I think your hormones kick in and you decide, yeah, maybe the uh, the other sex isn't so bad. And then people try to tell you, do not come. Stop. <laughs> do not come. <laughs> I had to. I had to do it, All right. So uh, kind of going on that political incorrectness tangent, 
Uh, Joe, uh, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, especially since Joe and I have gotten married, I've tried to introduce her to a lot of different movies from days gone by. So you guys know, and we've talked about how we watched uh, Escape from New York, Aliens, and uh, a couple of other movies. Yesterday, I, Joe and I were, you know, we were done uh, streaming and we're like, man, we don't want to, we're not ready to go to bed, but we just kind of want to chill now. So what should we do? And a few weeks ago, I had purchased Blazing Saddles on, uh, on Blu-ray because I just kind of had a feeling that there are a lot of movies that are going to get canceled in the future and you're not going to find them anymore because they might be controversial. So Joe's never watched Blazing Saddles before. Uh, and uh, I told her, I, I told her your jaw's going to drop when you watch this movie because I, it, it came in hot too. Yeah. Like I was like within like two minutes of the movie being on, I was like, Oh my God. Sorry. Keep going. So, uh, yeah, I decided to pop it in and I told Joe, your jaw is going to drop. You're not going to believe that this movie was made. And, uh, let's see what you think. So I was not disappointed by her reaction throughout the movie. And, uh, and yeah, go ahead and talk about it, Joe. So if you haven't watched Blazing Saddles, you're, quite like me and you forget to I don't know and it's not that I forget to it was one of those movies that I've heard so much about and um I love Mel Brooks movies uh, um what's the one that I always reference uh oh my god uh the stars Star Wars uh Spaceballs yeah Spaceballs yeah there's uh him and Gene Wilder were two of my favorites growing up so I just don't know why I never I just never came up and now I'm wondering if it never came up it was never on TV because it was it could never be on TV so wow uh out there now he didn't mention to me it was going to be you know oh it's going to get uh basically taken it it won't be sold much longer it'll be banned and and you know i was like wondering i i thought it would have some things but it literally came in hot and i don't know how i feel about it i was just stunned <laughs> um, stunned and but at the same time i was like this is probably what it really was like back in the Whatever that was, the old wild, west, wild wild west era, pro, post war, uh, pro civil war era. Yeah, so that was one of the reasons I kind of like gave it a, like a pass because it was being most likely accurate to how those people treated um, what's it called? Um, it treated minorities, yeah, other minorities. So there was a lot of. Um, intense racism was a a theme in the movie and you know the redemption story of uh an, um, a black man who um came in to this challenge to be the sheriff and was ostracized and you know treated poorly by the people and then he was did some ingenious uh plans to save the town and then by the end the people really loved him and they overcame their racism um it was you know, I really liked the, there was moments that I thought were really funny, um, but it, that's why I basically gave it a pass because it's like, this was probably realistic. Um, it did have a lot of like- Fourth wall breaking. Fourth wall. Oh, that's always, that, that's, yeah. a, that's kind of a Mel Brooks thing. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say it did have a lot of other problematic things. Like anybody today, like if you don't, anybody who today who identifies as woke would not be able to watch that at all. Yeah. Um, the scene with the uh, uh, Native Americans. I don't know if you knew this, but Mel Brooks was actually speaking Yiddish when he was speaking Native American. That was Yiddish. Yeah. So I don't know if you'd pick that up on. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, but uh, Mel Brooks did paint himself up to be a Native American, which is 
you know, very problematic. Um, it, it was just an, it just, I wasn't expecting that. I was not expecting that. I, I still don't know how to feel about it. It was a lot of great lines. It was a lot of anachronisms, references to other movies, references to other songs that just wouldn't fit in, um, you know, to that era that it's in. Breaking the fourth wall. You know, that's very s typical of Mel Brooks. It was at times funny. Um, I, I think I was just more shocked by the, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, lack of, of, of um, restraint. restraint when it came to using certain words and the topics and I, I just don't know. I really don't know how I feel about it. I'm still kind of shocked. Mm -hmm. So that's my analysis of it. Cool. That's kind of the reaction I expected. So uh, I can see the chat. Everybody's kind of, uh, uh, well, it, it seems like a lot of you like the movie. I know that uh, G Webb says he's not a fan of Mel Brooks. I know that the, his humor can be a little bit hit or miss. I kind of feel like it's... it's low brow. It's yeah. definitely low brow. I feel like it's a, an adult Looney Tunes in live action in a lot of uh, in a lot of cases, and and to the point where even Bugs Bunny is referenced in there by a gag, where they do basically a Looney Tunes gag uh, so, within the the movie itself. So I wonder how I feel about Mel Brooks movies now as an adult, because as you know, I talked about my love of Batman growing up, and then as an adult, I later watched some of the movies that I loved, and then went there. I don't really enjoy them as an adult. They don't live up. Uh, they don't hold yeah. up as well. So I feel like some. I think that if as a child I may have found some of Mel's gags funnier. Um, but I will stand up for Spaceball. Spaceball is one of the best movies ever. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I don't know if he actually was just in it because he was yogurt. Yogurt, know, yeah. I don't know if he actually did uh, wrote that one. But uh, yeah, I do think it's lowbrow or simple humor. So um, not a, probably wouldn't be a huge fan as an adult. But uh, yeah, again, it's... Kind of a free speech thing too, uh, being able to preserve a lot of the that uh, those movies and art from the past, and uh, it's always fun to go back to see when movies were produced, what was going on at the time, and how we look at it through uh, today's eyes. And some things hold up, and some things don't. So, uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think Blazing Saddles is a classic for a lot of different reasons. Not my favorite Mel Brooks movie. Uh, it's got some good funny moments, and uh, it's a bit over the top at times, but uh, it's definitely a classic, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, glad that Joe was able to watch it. So uh, we got to see what will be next on the list for Joe. If you guys have any good suggestions of comedies or action movies from the 80s and 90s um, that aren't necessarily as mainstream, because we've seen a lot of the mainstream stuff, but, well, uh, I guess Aliens is pretty mainstream, and, and you hadn't seen that, so we'll take any suggestions. Uh, out there and we'll check it out and give uh, our little review and it is interesting to see how things hold up and they don't uh, earlier today i was playing grand theft auto 5 they had the next generation update grand theft auto 5 came out in 2013 and i was telling joe uh you know she was listening to it she was playing fallout next to me and you just hear a lot of the radio commercials and the social commentary and in a way it's almost sad that this is the same story as 2013. They're talking about social media being authoritarian, uh, you know, the government being corrupt, all of these different things and a lot and talking about memes and all that stuff. And I just said, you know what? What GTA is talking about, what it portrays here in 2013 America oh God, yes. is the exact same thing as 2022 America. So over the last almost 10 years, our society has stagnated to the point where Think about like 10 years ago, realistically 10 years ago, and think about another period in the past where you had a 10-year gap. 
And I feel that over the last 10 years, we really haven't had anything change all that much. You know, we had smartphones 10 years ago. We had social media 10 years ago. We had YouTube 10 years ago. Uh, you know, it really wasn't any different than what we are now. And it's almost like we've just been kind of grinding our wheels for the last 10 years or so, for 15 years. And we just have faster versions of the things that we had in the past. So laptops are faster. Phones are faster. Uh, cars, we got elect more electric cars now on the road. But really, it's kind of the same thing. We haven't seen that innovation uh, in the same level, unless you talk about the innovation of control over our lives and what the media has been trying to do. So it's kind of interesting to see how well that particular piece of uh, pop cultural art holds up today versus, you know, something like Blazing Saddles or, or things like that. Now, obviously, there's a much bigger time span there. Blazing Saddles came out in the mid-70s. GTA is only 10 years old, but uh, kind of interesting to see that because I would argue... an example of like what we... What was it that we specifically made a comment about um, when we were listening or I was paying attention to your game and I was like, what the crap? Well, part of it was, okay, so there uh, there was a fictional, they've got a ton of fictional radio stations with pretty realistic sounding commercials here. Some of them are politicians doing campaign speeches to get elected and others are just, you know, regular news. And uh, a couple of them were, one was, vigilantes get together to basically try to secure the border on their own. That was one of them. Yes. And we're like, well, that sounds kind of familiar. And uh, the other one had to do with the CEO of Life Invader, which is basically a Facebook, Twitter kind of amalgamation, but overtly evil. Uh, he was giving a speech about how, oh, you know, we've wanted to penetrate all of your lives and we have like a billion people now and we're going to come out with this new phone that's going to control everything and integrate and give us all of your information 24 hours a and day. And he was legitimately open about it yeah. and everybody cheered. So, yeah, because it was it's tongue-in-cheek. You know, GTA is a social commentary. It's like a hyper-real a hyper real and hyper-exaggerated version of the real world, California specifically. Mm -hmm. So it was uh, interesting to see all that. And, uh, and how that played out. And I was like, yeah, this is still kind of the stuff that we've been dealing with today. Well, I, I think I made a comment oh, about it when I was They Live. It. Everybody says we've got to watch They Live. They live. And I, I agree. John Carpenter. I did not watch that one. Mm -hmm. um, let me see. I saw some other uh, recommendations in the chat. Police Academy is a great movie. Oh, uh, I've watched the Police Academy, all of them. And they're uh, Coming to America. Joe needs to watch Coming that's to America. That's actually on HBO right now. Yes, and I have not watched that. And that's been, we'll probably watch it today. On Eddie Murphy, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Did you ever watch Beverly Hills Cop? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's another good one. Uh, the Lethal Weapon movies, too. The original ones are good. Obviously, uh, Joe watched Die Hard 2 for the first time in uh, Christmas. Die Hard, Die Hard the original. We haven't watched Die Hard 2 is still good, yeah, so we, we can watch that, that one, one too. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Idiocracy is one that everybody's been telling us to watch forever as well. Uh, Hank Strange has been telling us to watch that for... Which one? Idiocracy. Idiocracy. Yeah, since pretty much since we met him. I think that's uh, one of the first says, things he said. Uh, have Joe watch Breaking to Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I'm That's where Boogaloo came from. Oh, is it? The term, yeah. Uh, I'll have to check that one out. Mm -hmm. Is the thing the one with the the one that's like a giant... Um... The blob? No, the one that has like... Oh, no, that's a John Car... That's the one in Antarctica where... Okay, no, uh, one. Yeah. I, I saw the modern interpretation of it. Somebody can let me know if you think the modern... Um, Modern version, the more modern version of uh, of the thing is is any good. I kind of liked it. I thought it was decent, but I don't know how it compares to the original or to the book. Um, or it was a book, wasn't it? I forgot if it was, but how that compares. Collateral with Tom Cruise is a pretty good movie. Uh, I watched that before, 
and uh, yeah, they live. So there we go. Yeah. Okay. We got lots of homework. Yeah, we do. So, all right. So let's see where we want to move on from here. Well, we've been talking about Ukraine and Russia a lot. It, it seems like things have kind of stagnated in that conflict. It's, uh, you know, I know that, uh, was it uh, Jeff Yeager? Was that his name? I forgot. Or um, You're asking the wrong person. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, James Yeager, I believe, was on uh, Warrior Poets podcast, John Lovells, and he said that he's going off to Ukraine to try oh, to train yes. the civilian population yes, yes. there, that he's uh, he basically has a terminal illness and he wants to basically use the time that he has left to try to contribute. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, I wouldn't personally go to Ukraine right now, but uh, it's interesting to no. see where people want to take their skill sets and choose the way that they, uh, you know, basically live their lives out. So I actually um, saw, I don't know if it was a TikTok or a reel or where it came from. It was a video. I don't know the legitimacy of it, um, of a young man who went to the Ukraine and he snuck out of the Ukraine, American apparently, who went to fight over there. Um, and he did a TikTok or whatever about, I think it, was tic, it wasn't TikTok, it was a little bit longer than 15 seconds, but basically saying uh, that everything that we're hearing over here is an absolute lie, um, that they basically were not giving anybody kits or guns, and they were like, if you're lucky, you got a magazine with 10 bullets in it, um, that if you showed up with a kit, they threw you to the front line, um, they basically threatened to shoot them unless they did that. And they had to, they said it was crazy, um, that some of them did not make it, that a lot of the foreign, uh, what do you call that? Foreign legion. Yeah. yeah uh, were, were dying and they were hiding that and not reporting that. And they basically like him and a couple other people, um, uh, from Europe snuck out by hiding in a, in a, what's it called? A, um, an ambulance and then getting sneaking across the border. I don't know if this is true. There's a lot of fake stuff on the internet, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was true mm -hmm. and that, you know, we've all been hearing that there is uh, propaganda and, you know, the truth is not being uh, reported on and, you know, things are not going as well as we hear, but that kind of sucks if that's true. Yeah. Uh, people in the chat say that uh, James is a good guy. We heard the same thing uh, from, you know, our friends within the industry when we talked so to them about I that. So I hope that James is okay over yeah. there. I'm just saying, like, I, I saw that this week and I was like, uh, I was thinking about uh, Jaeger as well. And I'm like, well, I'm hoping he's not having to deal with this situation over there and that yeah. this is actually a falsehood. Yeah, well, but he's he's going over there. So hopefully, you know, he does, uh, he does what he can there. Hopefully he, uh, you know, he does good work and, uh, you know, he's protected over there. You know, he's got good instincts. He's trained other... Uh, you know, foreign forces before. So it's something that he's got experience with and that he's good at. And, you know, we pray that, uh, you know, that he makes it there uh, safely and makes it back, uh, you know, after all this is uh, through. And, uh, and yeah, so it's it's tough. Uh, it's, it's crazy to see the gun community and how it's been affected by the Ukraine, uh, the war in Ukraine, not just uh, the politics of it that we deal with with the Biden administration, but even down to, uh, you know, the personal level with uh, guys like James going out there. I'm sure that there are other people that have decided to go and use their skill set, maybe some veterans that went there. Uh, we saw some people on uh, IG that said they've been approached uh, to become, uh, you know, join the Foreign Legion there and fight against the Russians. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, God bless them and protect them. I think that it's a terrible conflict. 
overall to see, you know, Vladimir Putin is a bad guy. Uh, he's but a, He's a bad dude. He's a bad hombre. But, you know, just seeing geopolitically what Europe and NATO has done over the last few years, you know, I went on, I've been on my rants the last couple of episodes of the mistakes that I think the West has made and how Russia has been pushed to be this boogeyman. And ultimately, they have come and stepped up to the table there. So when you push, when you push somebody far enough, they eventually either roll over or they decide, you know what, I'm just going to be the monster that you made me out to be because that's what you believe I am anyway. So I'm just going to go for it and do it. I think that's what happened here. And it's sad to see the people of Ukraine suffering. It's uh, my, my heart does go out too for the, uh, the young men and women on both sides have been forced to fight and the Ukrainian military defending their country. And uh, a lot of the Russian forces that are conscripts, they had no choice. Uh, you know, it makes me think of uh, Vietnam when they in, uh, instituted the draft and it was an unjust war. And you had thousands of, of, of young Americans go there, uh, die or get maimed and then treated, demonized when they came back for a war that politicians threw us into to fight against communism. So it, uh, it sucks to see that, to see another generation. They're not Americans, but to see another generation of young of young fighting men losing their lives because of what elite um, and world leaders want uh, on their end. So that's basically been the story of war for as long as we can remember, you know, whether it's world war one with the elites and the empires of Europe, ostering against each other and looking for an excuse to fight or back to the Roman, uh, the Roman Republic before they were an empire and their war against Carthage. This is just the same story that we've seen all along. So it, it just, it sucks. Hopefully things don't escalate. I've heard that uh, Zelensky and Putin may meet with one another and try to reach some sort of ceasefire negotiation. Again, Yeah, the Ukrainians said that they weren't going to concede to a lot of the demands that Russia had, like demilitarization and uh, the inability to join any alliances in the future. We'll see where that goes again from a different perspective, from a, you know, historical perspective and an observer. It's interesting again, to see the tactics being used by both sides where you see Ukraine has already started moving more to the insurgency phase. I saw a few videos of what seemed pretty obvious, like IEDs or roadside bombs taking out Russian convoys and ambush tactics. So it really does seem as though it, it almost seems like the Russians didn't learn that much from what the U S went through in Iraq or even their own experiences in Chechnya. And Ukraine has definitely learned from the insurgent tactics that the U S saw uh, abroad. And I'm sure that if a lot of U S contractors are there to train the Ukrainians, they're going to be learning those tactics because you learn to adapt with the tactics used against you. And you also learn how to use those tactics more effectively yourself. And that's something that we're trying to, uh, that we're starting to see there. So this war will definitely have, will leave a mark on the 21st century. It really is the first kind of modern war that we've seen. The wars, uh, the war on terror was very different. It was asymmetric warfare where, you know, the United States had all the technology and you were fighting against an insurgency uh, and a, a force that really did not have any sort of heavy equipment. And now you're seeing Ukraine, which had a small military using their equipment to fight against the Russian military. They're using drones and things like that. So it really is a quintessential 21st century war. And it also kind of sets the stage for uh, justifying the Second Amendment. It really does, because you're seeing uh, a country in Ukraine that doesn't have the infrastructure, the capability 
standing up against Russia. Now, is it inevitable that they'll get destroyed? Of course, if you have modern military hardware, let's be honest, with small arms, there's only so much we can do. The limit really comes down to, is your enemy willing to commit immoral acts upon you in order to win? If they are, and they're willing to use their weapons indiscriminately and in mass, it's going to be a lot more difficult to defeat that enemy. But you can see in some cases where that escalation is occurring, it is because a, you know, a rebellion, a, an insurgency, people fighting for their own homes are willing to sacrifice. They know their land. They know, uh, they know the people. They can rally their forces, and they can set up effective tactics. I've seen that also it looks like some of the um, people that the Russians have put in place in cities that they've taken over, some of them have been assassinated. So it seems like they're really suffering more losses than they expected. And again, I just, it's fascinating. It's terrible. I'm fascinating. I don't mean that in a positive sense, but to see a modern army kind of just run into the meat grinder without, you know, kind of looking at the logistics behind it. And again, I think no matter what the outcome is here, I think Russia as a modern military is weaker than we suspected or at least not as well led. Maybe their technology is good, but look, even American tanks have limitations, especially when you're on certain terrain. There's a lot of mud there, snow melts, uh, and flooding outside of Kiev. So that's a difficult, uh, difficult situation to fight in. But uh, you know, like I said, we're gonna learn a lot of lessons, and we're gonna see more than when, um, than we ever have. Especially since Ukraine does still have internet because of Starlink, so we're getting a lot of videos there. But again, it can be manipulated. Uh, both sides use a lot of the same equipment. So if you're looking at videos, you can't be 100% sure if you're looking at destroyed Russian vehicles or Ukrainian vehicles. Obviously, we're not seeing too much on the Ukrainian side besides the civilian toll of what their military has gone through. So uh, we don't know. We'll see where where this goes, but I think it's kind of inevitable where it's going to end up. It just depends on how much suffering there is to get to that point. So G-Webs in the chat says, it's not really a modern military per se. They are sending in mostly Cold War surplus from what I have heard. They've been sending a lot of their, uh, a lot of their different forces. Definitely their air, their air force and helicopters that they've sent in are as modern as they can get. They've been using a lot of cruise and standoff missiles. And we have been seeing, uh, they did send their, their upgraded APCs. Uh, they're not BMPs anymore in there as well. And a lot of their newer tanks like T-80s and T-90s, I've seen them getting destroyed as well. They have a lot of their, um, you know, ceramic armor that uh, American tanks would have. I, I can't vouch to how effective they are. It could be that anti-tank weaponry has also evolved. You know, the U.S., the uh, well, historically, the U.S. did not lose too many AM-1 Abrams tanks in the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. I've heard that some of those numbers are, have been covered up to kind of hide how effective the M1 Abrams is and to kind of exaggerate how good it is, but I don't know. I, I think we'll see maybe, again, maybe our small uh, anti-tank weaponry has just uh, gotten better and that's what we're seeing, the fruits of that. And it is possible that weapons that were effective in the past may not be as effective going forward. You know, drones are a huge problem that both sides have uh, been... Um, both sides have been uh, exploiting and using, and you can see how that helps with artillery barrages, battle damage assessments, and even using uh, drones and suicide attacks to take out tanks, infantry, and things like that. So we'll see. I mean, when you look at American equipment too, if you want to talk about age in comparison, most of the U.S. Navy, we're looking at our, you know, our Ticonderoga class cruisers, 
some of our older Arleigh Burks are 30, almost 40 years old. Uh, some of our aircraft carriers are almost to that extent, whereas the Chinese Navy has much young, a much younger fleet. So old weapons doesn't mean that they're not effective, but there could be counters that have already been developed for it. Our stealth aircraft of the past aren't as stealthy as they are before because of IRSTs. Those are infrared search and tracking systems, which really focus on the infrared um, on the infrared signal or heat coming off of an aircraft. That's a lot more difficult to mask, especially in the jet aircraft. So that is something that our enemies in China and Russia have developed over the last few decades to counter our stealth technology and limit its effectiveness. So could be that that's what we've seen. We're seeing a step up in small arms tactics in anti-tank weaponry, anti-air weaponry, man portable uh, defenses, things like that. And the culmination of seeing great powers fight a certain way for decades to now of throwing that in with modern tactics and information warfare and things like that. So it will, uh, it's something to keep an eye on. And again, seeing the manipulation of the media trying to push the American people towards more of a war footing, how the Biden administration uses the war in Ukraine as an excuse for covering up their deficiencies here at home, our rising energy costs, our inflation, our the loss of American respect through uh, abroad. Those are all factors that they're trying to hide and blame it on Russia and Vladimir Putin and obfuscate uh, their own shortcomings. So, And also it was just very convenient timing that we had a historic low on Biden's disapproval rating mm -hmm. and all of a sudden uh, you saw the rally behind Ukraine and his numbers are going up because people are convinced that are getting convinced by that this isn't his fault. This is all the fault of the new big bad. And also, look, he's doing so much. He's helping out by giving money that we don't have. We had to borrow, which, I mean, I don't know if the average American knows that, that we don't have those $800 million um, that he also sent out to Ukraine by um, executive decision or executive whatever the hell they call it. So am I a little salty about that? Yeah, because I feel like not to sound, what is it? Uh, what is the Trumpism that he said? America first? Yeah. Not to sound like Trump, but have has he considered maybe, uh, you know, like, how, do you remember how much they deliberated before they, not that I thought that the spending bill that they did for COVID was great, because that's what ultimately led to our inflation, but um, they deliberated so much for giving the people... <laughs> Uh, a, a few pennies versus, yeah, no problem. Send them uh, a whole bunch of money and spend all this money for a country that's not us. I yeah. just think that there's a disconnect there of, hey, you know, there's a lot of problems going on here that you're not addressing and you're not willing to spend money on. Not that I'm, not that I'm for spending money, but I just think that's very strange that that's what they choose to spend the money on that again and i don't know if the average american knows this that we don't have and we're borrowing from china yep we'll just print out print it out indiscriminately so that's where we're at so i wanted to bring up uh to kind of close out the show we we we, we did a little bit of pop culture in the middle of the show but uh, i kind of wanted to end it on this because i thought that this was fun so joe do you have this article i do have this <laughs> bring it up over there <laughs> oh man this just makes me laugh so I mean, when, okay, uh, so I believe that it was uh, Michael Jordan that said Republicans buy shoes too. 
and uh, and you know his famous quote, kind of talking about why he didn't really bring politics into into his business affairs. So, uh, going in the complete opposite direction of that, we've talked about over the last few weeks about how a lot of shows and properties that we've loved have become woke and gotten destroyed because of political infusions. When you're watching a fantasy show, science fiction, an action movie, it's escapism. You want to leave all the garbage that we talked about for the last two hours behind. And you want to be able to entertain yourself, go to a different world and forget about things and see it's literally called fake escapism. people's problems. Yes. Escapism. Yes. So when you see a once great IP in Star Trek, which has been garbage for, let's let's be honest, a long time. I mean, a lot of people would argue that Star Trek kind of died when Enterprise came out. And, you know, there were some bad movies with the original Kirk uh, cast and let's be honest some of the movies aren't that great either but star trek was still a beloved franchise still beloved by many the gene roddenberry uh original is uh still popular has a lot of nostalgia berries for people but when you see something like this occur and you see a real life politician being not just infused in a cameo but being elevated in almost a fantasy way of trying to make this a parallel comparison to the real world, it's really annoying and it really alienates your audience. And it shows exactly where Hollywood and the elites, where they are, what side they're on and what they truly believe. So for those of you that might be listening on the audio podcast, here's the headline right here. Stacey Abrams, for those of you that don't know, Stacey Abrams was running for the governorship of Georgia. And she has famously said that the election was stolen from her. And she's continued to say that for the last few years without any repercussions whatsoever. When I believe another former, actual former president of the United States has gotten lambasted for doing the same thing. Kind of interesting. But anyways, so Stacey Abrams makes surprise appearance on Star Trek as the president of Earth. In your dreams, woman. Stacey Abrams just boldly went where no Georgia gubernatorial candidate has gone before. Oh, God, it's so cheesy already. Abrams, the Georgia politician who's running for governor of the state this year, had a surprise cameo in the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, appearing as the president of United Earth. Oh, well, see, I don't know the story, G-Webs. Apparently, I believe that there's a storyline going on here. I think Discovery takes place. I'm not sure in the timeline it takes place, but... The storyline here was that Earth wanted to leave the Federation. So they chose their own Earth government. I guess she was the president of Earth. So, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Uh, she, uh, blah, 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 United Earth president. And Abrams gets several lines announcing that United Earth is ready right now to rejoin the Federation. And nothing could make me happier than to say those words. She also has a discussion with Discovery's main character, Michael Burham, Sanaqua Martin-Green, about earth rejoining the federation and this scene closes the episode abrams has professed her love for the star trek franchise in the past and in a 2019 interview with the new york times she admitted she stayed up late binge watching discovery during her gubernatorial campaign i love voyager and i love discovery and of course i respect the original but i revere the next generation she told the times abrams also discusses a favorite scene from the next generation in her book lead from the outside so it seems like she is a legit star, a star trek fan but I mean, bringing in politicians, especially politicians like we, we know her stances on a lot of different issues, a controversial, highly opinionated, highly partisan politician 
onto your show, it, it just, it just, it's, uh, it's ridiculous in my opinion. And it really pushes your agenda by doing this, by, uh, by, you know, trying to infuse all of this. And again, I don't want to see my real life politicians who honestly, I despise pretty intensely in my entertainment. I don't want to see it. And this really does destroy, you know, uh, this, I look, I didn't have any interest in discovery. I don't like the direction that show's gone. I like the more serious Star Trek, but whatever. Any chances that I may have watched it or gone here because now I, I explicitly know, oh, okay, the creators of the show, clearly, they probably hate me just because of my political views. Now, I don't think that's jumping over any hoops. I don't think that's going too far. It really does that. When you hear how uh, a lot of the producers and actors gushed for her on the set, it really, really lets you know what they believe and where they're going. And it, again, poisons the well and makes you not want to support any of these franchises. They've killed, they killed off Star Wars with what they did with the new trilogy. doesn't matter what they do now. Disney has already said everything leads to the sequel trilogy, which is garbage and a disaster. They destroyed our characters. They destroyed the entire storyline there. They had source material that would have worked extremely well. They chose to blatantly destroy it. We're hearing the same thing about the Halo TV series now, where the showrunner admitted, I didn't play any of the games and we didn't look at any of the games. I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't think it was that important. Like, uh, I want to be bold. Ignore the entire source material yeah. and just not, you know. So, you know, they said that they read some of the books, but without seeing the games, how they flow and all that, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. And especially, look, there are adaptations that are good. I liked, I did not read comics. I liked a lot of the MCU. I did up until now. That's obviously a reinterpretation of a lot of the storylines. I'd argue that the comics themselves have gone on many tangents with alternate universes and different sort of events. So they've changed their canon around themselves. But again, when you have a stat, an established IP that's very good, I don't understand why there's this desire by people in Hollywood to leave their mark on it. Like, I have to change this. I've got to make it my way and give my interpretation of it. No, give us what we want. Uh, extend the narrative here. There are certain things in video games that you can't convey. You can do that in the TV show. You can extend certain scenes that we've got. So it's just, it's mind blowing again, how you alienate your audience. You're trying to create something new and let's be perfectly honest. In the case of a lot of these franchises, you're not going to get normies to watch it. You're not, you're, you need people that are fans of science fiction. You need your original fans to ultimately be the ambassadors of your franchise. You need to be able to create a show that the fans can be proud of and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is, this is a uh, dog water to, to use the words of uh, young Ripa. Uh, this is garbage. And they just don't respect. They really don't respect the fans. They don't respect the material and they don't care about anything else other than pushing either their own vision or their own agenda. And it just, it really sucks to see more and more politicization, more and more of this woke agenda embed basically everything. Are people going to start to wake up? I don't know. I really don't know. In the case of, you know, going back to what Joe brought up before with the, um, the uh, swimming, the NCAA and uh, Leah Thomas, I, 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 can you care more than the people that are on that team themselves? Like, how, how much can we fight? 
really. So it's up to fans to fight against this stuff. But if fans aren't willing to push back against the wokeness, then there's really not too much we can do. Let's be perfectly honest. It is, it's, uh, you know, we talk about this when it comes to gun rights. I can't fight harder for people in California than they can themselves because ultimately I don't live in California. So if the people in, that live in a certain area don't want to vote their way out of it, don't want to protest or do the things that they need to do now, obviously as a majority, we know a lot of you here do that and you're behind enemy lines, but you know what I mean here when I say this, that if people are unwilling to help themselves, then why would you kind of kill yourself in order to do it for them? Because you're just, you're almost doing something for people that are ingrateful that don't care. So it can be, it can be tough. It can be really tough. So, you know, uh, Confucius says we got politicians buying stock from Lockheed Martin. We've got politicians on Star Trek. We've got uh, politicians playing video games everywhere. So, you know, these people know what they're doing. There's an agenda here and they collude with people in the entertainment industry and in media. And it's something that we've been seeing. Now, they try harder because they know that their narrative is being exposed. We know over the last two years how many lies they told about different situations, whether it was, you know, the political landscape with what was going on with the pandemic, uh, everything else with what's going on with this war. We've been waking, uh, awoken. So they understand that a lot of us are starting to wake up. That's why they're doubling and tripling down on certain things because they're feeling it's like they're trying to grab on the sand and it's slipping through their fingers. And they know that each grain of sand that keeps falling through their fingers, eventually that sand is going to start piling up and it's going to go up to their chest. They're not going to be able to move. And eventually, if enough, if enough of those grains of sand get out, they're going to be buried underneath it and they will be able to do nothing about it. They will be overwhelmed by us, by our choices and our power as individuals to come together and say, no, we're not going to buy this stuff. We reject what you're doing to entertainment. We reject your media narrative. We reject uh, your warmongering and we reject you leading us corruptly from your ivory towers. So to go back to uh, the famous uh, line from a famous movie, what was that movie called? Was it called media or something like that? I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. And I'm not going to take it anymore. I think I watched that one. Oh man. Was that deadline or something like that? That's uh that's uh that's a great line. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, Tingson says the people are getting angry. Yes, yes, they are. It's Network. Network, that's the movie. So I, I don't want to get struck on this one, but I'll show Joe this later on. Network is another good movie from, I believe it's from the 70s, and it kind of commentated on a lot of the media corruption. So we've been going through this for decades, and it seems like a lot of us wake up every decade, but we're just disregarded, called conspiracy theorists or... Nobody cares because it doesn't fit their frame of mind and we're pushed aside. That's going to change because now we have platforms like this where we have more reach than ever before. Totally unrelated. I just remembered what my favorite part of Blazing Saddles was. What? was the um, political commentary on the fact that politicians are corrupt. Yeah. That's it. My two cents. So uh, what have we got coming up, Joe? Anything special coming up? Are you traveling the parts unknown that, uh, so do we have to modify our schedule here? When will we be back so. next week? I think we'll be back next week. Cool. I just like deflated. I don't know if you noticed. I was like, <laughs> we will be back next week. Uh, I don't, I'm not traveling. Okay. Awesome. How do you want to do it next week? Uh, do you want to, uh, let's take a poll. Yeah. Let's, let's let the people in this room right now decide if it's a Saturday or unless you want to just say a Sunday show. 
Uh, well, we can, uh, I don't know. What would you rather guys have? Would you all rather have a Saturday show or a Sunday show? Uh, let's say it because we don't have a guest next week. It's a little bit tough to do two back-to-back shows, especially on a weekend where news doesn't really change or break that much. So, um, we'd rather do one show and probably a video game stream. So I guess it's up to you guys. What, where would you, uh, G web says both. <laughs> so let's just do uh, a game stream, stream on Saturday and then, and then a show on Sunday. Show on Sunday. Okay. So that's what we'll do. We'll do the same thing that we did this week. Now you have a heads up. So we're going to do a stream on Saturday. That will be a game stream. So it'll be more social. You guys can come in and chat, talk to us about whatever you want. I don't know the game yet. Lately we've been playing Splatoon because we have a lot wanting, of, yeah, but I've been wanting to yeah. play Apex again. Okay. Joe wants see. to play a shooter so we can do that. And it will be more apropos for guns and gaming rather than shooting paint like we have been uh, recently with the, the squid kids. So there we go. So we'll do that. Uh, I know I want to give uh, a shout out to Nick, JC nine and CG. They stopped by in our game stream yesterday and were there the whole time. Uh, and our buddy Scott list, we met him through geeks and gamers. He's been jumping on our game streams and playing with us. And another, uh, another friend of ours name is Vixaris on there. So shout out to you guys. We really appreciate that. I know it's something totally different. So we'll be back next week with, episode 87 on Sunday at 7 p.m. And we will have our game stream, probably a shooter, a, a, definitely a shooter on Saturday at 8 p.m. So come on by. Well, for those who were wondering, I finally finished the main storyline of Fallout 4 last night. It was emotional and I'm quite happy I got through it. I still have <laughs> the DLC to get through, but I finally got through. Uh, and for anybody who's watching and wondering what, what ending I chose, I sided with the railroad, the Minutemen, and took out the Brotherhood and the Institute. Oh. Yes. And Sean is now, since Sean is, oh, should I, should I? No. I'm <laughs> don't don't reveal that. Spoil it. Okay. Anyway, yeah. that's it. That's how I ended it. And it was, like I said, it was just like <laughs> intense. <laughs> Everyone have a wonderful night, a wonderful Sunday night, and I hope your Monday doesn't suck. And uh, stay safe and stay, uh, I, I don't have a motto. I don't have a motto. You know, usually cool. people say like stay safe, stay sexy or something like that. Yeah, but just not say, doing that. <laughs> stay safe and uh and stay strapped. Yeah. Stay safe, stay strapped, have a great week and take care of yourselves out there. We will be back next Saturday. And we might stream during the week, so you never know. But for sure we'll be stuff. back. Next I don't Saturday. think I'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna say it. I don't think I'm going to. Joe's not <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice job. I'm sorry. Nice job, Joe. I'm just so tired. All right. We're out of here, everyone. Take care and have a great evening. What is that?